Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 120, week 120, volume 120, number fucking 120. Hey going guys, how's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Jake of August Burns Red, and that will be coming up later in the show. Let's kick things off with single of the week. This week it comes from Amua. They've unleashed a new track called Uncontrollable Descent. It will feature on their upcoming album titled Hindsight, which sees its release on June 26th through Sharp Tone Records. I'm a sucker for this band and I love what they do. You love them or you hate them. I'm definitely in the love them category. This track, it's pissed off, it's heavy, makes me want to bang my head. It's everything I enjoy about Amua. This track has me pumped for the album, Bring It On, Can't Wait for June 26th. The track is called Uncontrollable Descent. It's by Amua. The album it comes off is called Hindsight, which as I said is released June 26th. Now after you've heard that track this week, make sure you go back and hear my chat with Frankie if you haven't yet, the vocalist of Amua. He can be found on episode 56. Now it's time for Album of the Week. This week it comes from Bleed From Within and the album is titled Fracture. This Scottish groove metalcore band have returned with album number 5. The band continues to grow and they're like a whiskey, they get better with age. This album is stacked full of everything you should want. It's got big riffs, heavy groove, educated, well-timed breakdowns, and lyrics that stick in your head. Outstanding album from the guys, a front-runner for me for album of the year. Get this album in your ear holes. The album's titled Fracture, and it's by Bleed From Within. Now after you've slammed and jammed that album this week, make sure you go back and listen to our chat with vocalist Scott. That can be found on episode 38. Now let's roll into feedback, questions, what's been going on. This week, been getting a lot of great feedback. Thank you to everyone who's reached out and let us know what you love about the show. That stuff helps keep me motivated and push me forward. And also, guys, as always, if you have some time this week, help us out with a share, a rating, and a review. So enough of my ramblings, enough of my jibber-jabber. Let's get into the main part of the show. This week, I got to sit down and chat with Jake of August Burns Red. First thing I got to say, thank you so very, very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect. Much appreciated. If you don't know who August Burns Red are, which, to be honest, I'd be surprised, the band formed in 2003, Jake joined around 2006, and Jake has been part of seven albums. August Burns Red are also an important player and vital player in the metalcore heavy metal game. They're a band that now in their career, you have to say, are leaders of the pack. They're a genuine, honest, passionate, great bunch of dudes. Jake also runs a depression, anxiety and addiction support group, which is called Heart Support. 
It's an important place for people to go to find help, a shoulder to lean on, and a place to grow. I have been a fan of August Burns Red ever since the moment I heard the first album, and I'm still a diehard fan today. Jake is and was a bucket list moment for me to achieve, and today to say I have him on the show makes me want to pinch myself. I'm so stoked on this chat. It's engaging, it's insightful, and it's fun. I loved it. I hope you do too. That chat with Jake is coming up now. So usually the first question is the same for everyone. And it's, do you remember a musician or an artist when growing up that opened your world to music existing? And I don't mean a heavy band, but like something musically, maybe Michael Jackson. I know for me it was Aerosmith at about the age of six. So was there one for you growing up? Uh, Yeah, yeah. There's, um, I think, an artist that really spoke to me and felt real was uh Tupac yeah I I um where I was living and and you know my community around me like rap was was pretty significant in the culture and um Tupac Shakur like you know All Eyes on Me was um was a pretty a pretty significant album for me um I think the the thing that I really loved about Tupac's music was the honesty and the genuineness in his in his messages. Like he I think really spoke about you know important issues that he had in his mind, you know. Um and you know his perspective on on uh on life was something that i could at the time like i was really engaging with um i was going through it like a really tough upbringing i had a lot of challenges um when i was younger and i I could just kind of feel um some connection with the way he was feeling you know and and what he stood for was you know, um, like self-empowerment, you know, and, and, and to overcome the obstacles and, um, to not let people try to take advantage of you or control you or manipulate you or, or, um, the feeling of being enslaved to someone else's ideals, you know, and, and like that breathed a lot of independency, a lot of courage, um, confidence, um, for me as, as a, as a young man. And so I'd have to say that that, that really, you know, that artist, that man really impacted me, um, on a real deep level. And it makes me, I think even today, like it kind of, you know, has made this impression that when I'm going to go do something, or if I'm going to talk about something real and genuine, like, um, I'm going to say what I mean and not shy, not be shy about who I'm speaking to, uh, necessarily, or, or the fact that maybe what I'm going to say, others aren't going to like it. Um, you know, because it's, 
it's not about them necessarily in certain circumstances. Um, it's about me or about how I feel the world needs this or should be this way. And, um, so I, I, I just feel like, yeah, that was a really, um, that artist was very impactful for me and like definitely got me into wanting to be a front man, a lyricist, um, you know, a, a, um, a, a world changer, like somebody who makes an impact, you know, somebody who's not willing to settle or, um, you know, somebody who's willing to break the boundaries of comfortability to grow and to challenge myself and the others around me on how we think, you know? Well, I mean, obviously it's an artist that, as you said, was connecting with you personally as well. And, you know, is that something for you in your early years that was important that you felt like you belonged or someone understood you? Because you look at your lyrics and, you know, it is very empowering. And it does to someone like, I know for myself, part of the reason I initially connected to it was it made me feel like someone understood what I was going through. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, honestly, I think that that's one of the greatest powers of music is that it does carry the authority for people who give it the authority to speak into their lives. And, you know, like, yeah, I mean, he... He, to an extent, changed the way I saw myself or the way that I should maybe perhaps um, walk, you know, the way I walked in this life. So, yeah, like, I think that there's just a, I think that's why people are so connected to music. Um, because not only does the music have its own feeling, but the lyrical content, when fitted really well with the feeling of the music, like, can really empower people, you know, and like get them to, to really see things and feel things. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it can, you know, music can change, can change people, man. Well, I mean, you know, does that it's, it's then, awesome. the, the, the double side without jumping too far forward, then does that, do you feel any pressure or expectation when you go in to write a new album to make sure it, delivers on those topics or do you not approach an album worried or concerned about it it just naturally happens um i think i think maybe when we first started you know as a band it was like because you you know just like anything like we're constantly evolving we're constantly growing and changing and and so i think in the beginning it was like I think the band was trying to find its identity, you know, like, where do we like, you know, who are we and where in the world of this industry of music do we fit, you know? Um, and so I think maybe in the beginning it was like, yeah, we want to be passionate about this or we want to share this message or, you know, but as we grew, um, and Brent, Brent Rambler and Matt Greiner are, um, you know, big lyricists in the band. Um, so they write a lot of really good lyrical content. And I think that with more lyrical writers in the band, it, it was a great thing for us because then we got to really have different perspectives um, on things. Uh, you know, if you listen to maybe an artist and he writes about the same content on every album 
or has the same exact perspective every time, um, it, it might limit the listeners to what they're going to gain from the lyric content, right? Rather than having, you know, all these men that are, you know, really writing their hearts out and um, giving their perspectives on certain things, like it kind of helps us grow, I think, in a broader spectrum of, I don't want to use the word attacking, um, but like inviting the listener into a, a different conversation piece, right? So like, um, I think that that now being here for, I don't know, seven, 16 years or something, you know, we've kind of grown into our place and we kind of know, you know, what's important to us and 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 what's important to us is love, community, acceptance, um, understanding, hope, um, you know, encouragement. Um, and so like, we try to just write from our hearts, what, what we believe is right and what we believe is important. And those are the things that we, we have found ourselves to, to find as, um, you know, the, the message that we want to share with the world, you know, I, I talk, I, you know, I, I, I watch frontman and, and I see the way that they, you know, cause every frontman has their own identity, um, especially on a stage. And like, you have a lot of authority up there um, because you've got all these people that are listening to whatever you're going to say, you know? And so like a lot of times, like, you know, I had this conversation with an artist, I'm not going to mention who it is, but, uh, their lyrical content is like extremely vulgar and pretty nasty and like kind of selfish. And, and I said, you know, I'm just curious, like what, what are you wanting to do with your lyrical content? Like, what is it? What's the message that you're trying to send to the world? You know? And he said, ah, oh, it's just a business. And, and so I, I guess he's kind of just playing the game, right? Like, this is something that sells right now, or this is something that that's that people, you know, are young people that are impressionable are digesting. And, um, and I was a little, uh, I, I was a little upset, right. At that, that being the response that I got, because with the authority that, this man has on a stage in front of thousands of people. Um, there's no real heart behind it. There was, there's not really anything like Tupac, right? Like it's like, there wasn't that heart. There wasn't that like purpose. It was intentional for a completely different reason. And whatever you're saying to someone, they are listening, they're digesting that. And then they're applying their mental state to that, you know? Um, if somebody wakes up every day and they're like, oh, I'm a pile of shit, you know, and, and they say that every day to themselves, well, you know, what do you think is going to happen over, over, you know, a few months, mm. you know, um, how's that going to impact their mental state? So it's like words have a lot of power and words have a lot of power when we give, when we're inspired by someone or we look up to them. Right. And we give them the authority to speak into our lives, even if it's watching an interview that they've done 
or watching them on a stage or listening to their music and their lyrical content or following them on Instagram. We've put them up on a place of essentially a place of worship where, you know, we're, we're idolizing these people or we're, we're digesting everything they say. And so it's like, man, um, for the people that are, in my opinion, right. And this is just me. Everybody has their own opinion. That's completely cool. Uh, but for me personally to see someone using their platform, um, in a way that is demeaning or disrespectful or negative or dark or whatever you might think, um, that's to me that's just not a good idea i I just feel like that's um not really benefit beneficial for humanity or for building community or for acceptance um or even just helping someone you know and encouraging them with their mental health like where they're at you know yeah, it's an interesting thing you know i completely 200 percent agree and i think the other thing that some people might realize but those bands that do sing in those ways um and it's not saying in a demeaning way but they end up being a bit of a flash in the pan they don't end up having a 15 year 20 year career so there's obviously a reason they don't because people as you said they evolve and they grow up and as their life moves in certain ways they maybe realize that you know Mentally, a lot of what you put into yourself, including music, shapes how you feel, how you think, everything. And maybe they start to realize, look, look, this music just isn't for me. And then that band just fade away because nobody wants to listen to this uh, negative energy, this cloud. Um, so I think it's, right. I think from the offset, the way that you guys are has probably in some way been a reason you've had such a long career. So it's a great thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, we have a, we have the most loyal fans, uh, Mm -hmm. I've ever met. And I just did an interview. Um, we were on the uh, cover of revolver magazine and I did this like two and a half hour long interview with, um, Sammy from there. And, and she's a, she's a hoot and she's cool. She's uh, just a super rad girl. And like, she told me after the interview, she goes, you know, what's really cool is like, when I go to your shows, um, your fans are like different than the fans in an average metalcore show. And, you know, I think we've built this fan base of just very genuine people, very honest and open, very, um, what I love about our fans is like, they're 100% themselves. Mm. Like they, 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 they just kind of like, they just come to us like normal people. They're, you know, they're just relaxed and they're, um, very like open with us. And, um, I think that that's because we, we as a band tend to be pretty open books ourselves. Um, uh, and, you know, just kind of tell you how it is, you know, like, mm. <laughs> or like how, how we feel. And, um, you know, we're not a, like a gimmick band or, or anything like that. So I think that it just, we've just, found fans or fans have found us and like gravitated to us because of our genuine and transparency. Yeah. I love it. Um, I know all my mates are the same because we love it. You, you you can tell you guys are genuine down to earth. Um, wanted to ask, you know, we mentioned Tupac being kind of the start of things. So it's a bit of a double question. Where was your step towards being into extreme music? And then the second part of that, 
Um, when did you really decide that music was something you wanted to pursue? Um, so I think, you know, my sister was the big, um, she was like the gatekeeper of music when I was growing up. She had all these CDs, man. She had Nirvana, Soundgarden, Hole, uh, Beastie Boys. She just had a bunch of great music. And I would always listen to her music through the walls. Like I would always hear her listening to music. And I remember my mom for Christmas, we didn't have a lot of money, but she bought me this little tiny, tiny, tiny CD player like a little boom box type of thing. Right. And it, it kind of looked like a clown. It had a red nose on it for the volume. It had like just a little tiny screen on it. And like these two blue looking, um, speakers that looked like ears. And, and then on top of the you know, when I opened the box, there was the green day dookie album. Hmm. And so I got the opportunity to listen to music now in my room. And um, I remember I would knock on my sister's door and I'd say, "Hey, do you want to do you want to bet CDs?" And we would play card games in her room. And I remember, dude, I cleaned her out, man. I had her Offspring record. I had, um, I had the Beastie Boys album. I had like all these records that she, you know, that I won from from our, our bets. And so I would leave her room with like six discs in my hand. And then I would go in my room and I just listen to them, you know, <laughs> and, um, Wu Tang forever, like all this good stuff. And like, and so she kind of got me into like all different styles of music. And then I ran into, as I was growing up, I ran into my buddy who was listening to hopes fall and no wings to speak of. And, and that record changed my life because that was the, you know, extreme music um, with screaming. And at first I was like, what, what's, what's really going on here? Like, I'm not sure I get it. But then there, there was like this, all this emotion, right, in, the, in, in this album. And it's coming out of this vocalist. And I was just like, wow, man, like this is, this is unique. And again, like. I gravitated towards it because I too was angry and had sorrow and, you know, had a message. Right. And so like I was listening to that record and listened to a band called Norma Jean, no wings to speak of my buddy, Josh Scoggin, who, you know, really was a legend in my eyes. And now is like a friend of mine, which is kind of cool how that all worked out. Um, he too had like this just brutal thing, but he was, you know, and he's a Christian guy and like, um, he was very funny and goofy and like off stage. And then on stage, he's just an animal, you know? And I was like, man, I love the dynamics. You know, I love how extreme this guy is. And, um, and so I started a band, um, and I ended up going to my first, sorry, I went to my first show and it was a strike anywhere show. I don't know if you know that band, um, and like the front man on stage, this is my very first show. The front man is just going insane. And like, he's they're they're like a very political based band. So, you know, he's screaming his message. He's yelling it out. He's, ah, you know, and he's got these long dreads and he's swinging them around. And I was just like, holy crap, man, this guy's exploding. Right. 
And then he gets off stage and I'm like, I'm like 16, 17 and I'm shaking, you know, and I'm just like, oh, bro, like that was intense, man. Like, um, you know, I don't have anything for you to sign, but like, will you sign my arm, you know? And so I, I have a Sharpie and he signs my arm and then I'm looking down as he's signing my arm and then he hands me the Sharpie and I take the Sharpie and then I look up and he has his arm extended out and he said, now you sign mine. And I think it was the exchange of respect and honor and authority where I just saw this man on his stage living his life. Like this is his purpose, right? And here I am. And I'm, I'm like, hey, man, you're amazing. And I w- it would be an honor, right, for you to sign my arm. And then he's saying, hey. It would be an honor if you signed my arm, and and uh, that 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 messed me up, man. That 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 changed my life, and I think it was that night that I was like, I have to do this. Like this is what I have to do, and so I started a band. I started multiple bands. I uh, I was working multiple jobs. I was working at like Sonic. Um, I was working at Journeys. I sold my 91 Nissan Maxima to buy a cargo van so that my band could travel. Um, we would do gigs on the weekends. Like we drive to Georgia, we drive to, and I was in South Carolina at the time, uh, you know, just other States and areas like to play as many shows as we could. Um, and, and then like shortly after maybe a, maybe a few years later when I was 20, I heard my buddy, you know, showed me August Burns Red and was like, Hey, this record thrill seeker is really good. And just before that record released, like five months prior, my band that I had created, like broke up. And I was just, man, I was so devastated because I was like, this is my purpose or this is what gives me life. And now I don't have that. And then I heard thrill seeker. And then a month later, my buddy contacts me and says, Hey, they're looking for a front man. You should go try out. And, uh, and so I sent them a MySpace message, um, saying, Hey, you know, I'm a vocalist. Here's some tracks of my voice. Um, I live in South Carolina, but I heard that you guys are looking for tryouts. Brent, my guitarist now called me Friday, uh, one day and, and says, Hey, we want you to come try out. And I was like, man, that's awesome. When he said, uh, you know, come here Monday. And I'm like, I have a job. I have like a family. I have like, you know what I mean? Like I've got obligations. I can't just, you know, but that was it. And I was like, well, what happens if you don't like me? He's like, well, we'll just tell you to go home, you know? Hmm. And, um, I got off the phone and I was like, okay. So I walked into the building that I was painting um, this house I was painting with my, my boss. And I said, I gotta go, man. Um, I gotta, I gotta go try out for this band. And, uh, and he said, okay, go do that. And if you don't make it, you, you can come back and have your job. Mm-hmm. You know? So I jumped in my 1989 Honda civic hatchback that I got from my godmother for 500 bucks. I quit my job. I said goodbye to my mom. I threw my suitcase in the trunk and I drove up there, and uh, and I basically never came home. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a 
crazy thing. It, it, and also a crazy thing is the feeling, you know, everyone out there that I've spoken to on this show has all said about the early bands. And was there a sense for you at the stage when the early band broke up that you thought that was it, maybe that was the opportunity gone? And then the other side of that question is, did you learn a lot of the goods and bads and the mistakes and the right things to do in the early band that you brought into August Burns Red? Um, yeah, I think I think I when when my early band did break up, I mean, I I I felt like that was the end because from and what's crazy is like we can only see so far, you know. Like we can't, we can't see what the future is going to be, but like, I knew all the musicians in South Carolina, you know, I tried multiple times with different people to do a band different ways, you know, um, I literally, you know, plugged in all the variables within the equation for me to be successful. And so when you do that and then things fall apart, you go, well, that's it this is over. Like, there's no way for me to, you know, and obviously fear sets in doubt, you know, stress and, um, depression, things like that, you know, like, uh, just the voice comes in. I told you so, you know, all the people that told you you weren't going to make it now, all of a sudden, you know, their, their truth is more of a reality than your truth. Right. Um, so I definitely had that issue, but I would say that what those bands did for me was that they gave me the experience of suffering, um, of being uncomfortable, of my heart fighting, you know, like having heart, um, and crafting my, my gift, you know? So when I joined up with August Burns Red, um, they were already a very professional team. Like all those guys worked their tails off. And, you know, it wasn't that I really brought a lot of like business experience or any type of wisdom that they necessarily didn't have. But I was now playing ball with the same level of guys ball players you know and so um i didn't have to really worry necessarily about the band breaking up because they had reached a very high goal of theirs and so they were ready they were hungry and i was hungry so it was just a really good fit and yeah it was a good fit with you know um, I'm a great showman. I'm a good performer. I've got a great voice, whatever. Right. Like all of those things, but there was a lot of work to understanding each other. Um, I always say it's like being married without the sex, mm. you know, you're married to these guys, man. Like this is your family. Now, um, you're going to have to be with this guy when he's not at his best and you're going to have to love him and vice versa. Right. So like, there's a lot of growing in that area, but we, we, as a, as a team, were able to really navigate the waters together in a really, really 
good way where we all kind of understood our lanes. We all understood our gifts and our talents. And we submitted to the leadership of whoever was responsible for whatever we were discussing. It was like, oh, you know, we want to make this move. Well, you know, this guy's been working on that. So let's listen to what he has to say or, you know, that kind of thing. So I would say that for people that are experiencing that, you know, like just because a band doesn't work or, you know, something like that doesn't mean that there's not fruit that you're gaining from it or experience and knowledge that you're going to later use maybe with another group of people that um, is really going to help flourish that particular body. Um, and that, you know, you, you never fail until you quit, mm. you know? Mm. Yeah. That's, that's, that's probably the phrase right there. Exactly. I mean, you don't fail until you quit and you guys, I mean, I was looking back, you know, big fan, but you know, you look back those, when you came in, Thrill Seeker was already uh, established, like it'd been out. They're already signed to, you know, a label, Solid State. And then you come in and it really felt like the ground just, you were running straight away. Messages and then Constellations, were they as big of a thing for you guys? Did you notice for the scene as it was for someone like myself looking in? Because those albums still to this day are looked upon with fandom, cult classics. Um, it's crazy to think how big those albums are now, but were they that big back then? Man, um, one of the one of the things that we, you know, like a slogan or like a saying that we have is like, we don't want to follow the genre, we want to lead it. Mm-hmm. So I think that was like our motto. That was like, you know, our anthem that helped us produce those records, like helped us really engage um, our musicianship and our, our artistic abilities. But we didn't know, like when we did Messengers, I remember our A&R came up to us. We, we were doing like a, a festival um, cornerstone fest mm-hmm. and our record had just come out and he goes, boys, uh, your record sold 9,000 copies first week. And we were like, wow, you know, like, that's pretty cool, you know? And he's like, no, 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 like, that's really good, you know, for 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 your album to sell that many copies first week. And so we were like, oh, great, you know, like, we're doing something right, you know? But we didn't, we didn't understand that, like, that was setting us up for a, a place to have you know to be eating at the table you know we we, like with um with having the opportunity to uh to tour with all these other great bands um you know i remember you know because you have to understand like in in those days and i'm not sure you know i'm just sharing this information but like I'm not saying that you don't know this, but like back in those days, like CD sales kind of determined as to like how big your band was and if you would do a headlining tour or if you would be main support to a big band or if you would be an opener of of a tour. And so like those numbers, those amount of sales helped us 
be able to have the opportunity to tour with other bands that were of equal caliber or bigger. Um, so we got to tour with, you know, Bring Me the Horizon, um, A Day to Remember, uh, The Double Wars Prada. And at this time, I think it was like we just got on the train right before it took off, you know, because there was there was a season where that music just absolutely exploded. Mm. I mean, everybody was listening to this music and we had our, our niche, we had our sound um, and we just busted our butts, man. I mean, we, we worked so hard every day. We just worked and worked and worked. Um, you know, we got in a van and trailer and, you know, we're just touring three, we toured three months out of three months back to back one time. And I was just like, I'm losing my mind. I'm losing my voice. I'm losing my, you know, health. I can't, I can't do this, you know, but, um, but that's what, that's what it took for us to get to the place that we, we needed to be in order to, to sit back and, and, and be here for, you know, 15 years. And, so I think in the beginning we didn't understand that the that those records were going to be like setting us up to be in a position in this industry for this amount of time. Um we were just kids that wanted to write music and work really hard, you know. Well, I think also an interesting thing was like you said I remember the time it was booming that sound but you guys felt like there was something a bit different and it was always um and I don't mean it in a in a rude way, I mean it in a polite way, but it was like a thinking man's metal core that was going on. Um there was a little bit more to it because at the time everyone was doing it and a lot of bands were starting to sound the same, but something about August Burns Red was a little bit different. It was setting itself apart from everything else. And that could also be the passion that was going into it. But musically there always felt like a little difference. And another thing that was different was I know that people were always saying, oh, well, they're a Christian band. But then people would say, yeah, but they're not a Christian band in a sense that you know they're Christian, if that makes sense. Um, it was it was a tag that was also being thrown on you guys that I know later on in your career, you guys, some of you have tried to distance yourselves from. Is that something um, that you don't want to be pigeonholed with or is it more as a collective just life has evolved a bit and everyone's lives are in different patterns. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the only, the only Christians in the band are Matt and myself. Mm -hmm. Like at one point, I think everybody had the same faith, the same Christian beliefs, but yeah, as people grow and change, they become, you know, they, they, you know, choose to, believe in something or not believe in something. And I'm not one to, you know, um, try to manipulate or try to change someone else. Um, I think that with that being said, when you get tagged as a Christian band, um, I think there's a lot of different definitions of what that is for certain people. But for me, um, being a Christian band would would basically mean that I use the stage as a pulpit to preach the gospel of Jesus. Um, I've never done that. Um, I've never 
intended to do that. I think also for me personally, um, faith is a very precious and intimate thing. And, um, and I was really kind of hurt by a Christian band that used their stage as a pulpit. And, you know, when I was growing up, I was going through a lot of stuff, a lot of, a lot of struggle. And they said, well, you should love Jesus because Jesus loves you. And in, in my young state of mind with all this pain and, and anguish and resentment and, and hurt, I thought to myself, well, who the fuck is Jesus? And if he loves me, where is he? Because I, I, I need, I need help, you know? And it made me angry because um, love, when you are surrounded by people who supposedly love you and they hurt you, um, and then someone else on a stage tells you that someone loves you, um, but you've never experienced their love, you've never seen their love, you don't understand their love, you don't even know who this person is, it's offensive. Mm. And, or to me, it was offensive and it offended me. And the ways that I have been shown love in my life where I can literally say, oh, that person loves me is not because of what they have said to me. It's because of what they have done for me. Right. And so I think for me as a Christian, um, I wanted to show people that Jesus does love them, but I'm not going to tell them that um, in, in that manner. I'm going to show them. Right. So that's why I started heart support because I recognize that there are a lot of people that are hurting and I, and I don't have to say anything about Jesus. Um, I can just live with actions that speak what he was saying, you know? So like love people, you know, serve people, wash their feet. What is, what does that look like? You know, like, if my friend is, is struggling financially and, and, and I have a little extra cash to spare for, for, for my friend to help them, that's washing that person's feet. That's me serving them, right? If my community, you know, needs help with something and I can invest some time and put in some hours, that's washing their feet. And the reason why heart support was birthed was because I would go to the merch table and I would talk to my fans and they would, I would be hit with stories like my dad sexually molested me when I was a kid and your song redemption has, has helped me for, forgive him. You know, um, Hey, I've been a heroin addict for multiple years of my life, but I am now me and my buddies are six months clean because in our, in our halfway house, we listen to composure every day, you know, and it keeps us going. Um, I cut myself, you know, constantly because I'm depressed and um, I have thoughts of ending my life and these types of stories. Right. And like, so it's like, man, like there's a lot of hurt here. There's a lot of struggle. And, and I may not be able to empathize with everyone's 
experiences because I may not have experienced them, but I can sympathize. And then there are some where I go, man, I went through that too. And so like what I wanted to do is I wanted to be able to bring these people to a place where we're not just having a conversation for half an hour and then I get on my bus and I leave and you go home to the same environment, same situation. I wanted to bridge that gap and I wanted to give my fans a place where they could feel love. They could feel that they're appreciated. They could um, take action to, you know, on those acts of love, right? Like, um, and that's my message of the gospel. That's, you know, that's my way of showing people who Jesus truly is versus just trying to tell you who he is. Right. And so like, um, with that being said, you know, it's not that you go to heart support and all of a sudden, you know, you're, (laughs) you're being hit over the head with a Bible. Like that's, I hate that too. Like, don't do that to me. I'll run you right in the ground. I'll put my hands on you, you know, like, um, because my faith is important and it's precious and it's intimate and it's personal. And you don't get the authority to tell me who God is in my life unless I give you that authority. Right. So like heart supports about cultivating an environment and a community that is accepting, whether it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter who you're in love with. It doesn't matter what you believe in. It doesn't matter what you've done or what's been done to you. We're going to, we're going to accept you there and we're going to listen to you and we're going to try to, love you with either our experiences, our personal journeys, or the tools and resources that we have to offer you so that you can find the healing that you need in the own, in your own unique path and journey. Um, and then if you want to talk about spiritual stuff with us, cool, let's have that conversation, but we're not going to, we're not going to demand that, that area of your heart. We're not here to take from you. We're here to give to you and wash your feet. And that I think is the gospel of Jesus. So no, we don't, we've never been a Christian band. In my opinion, we've been Christians, Christian artists in a band with lyrical content that's faith-based or fits the morals and values of a Christian believer. Right. But, um, then when people in the band decided, Hey, I want nothing to do with Christianity um, you also have to understand, I think the Christian industry can be a pretty nasty place um, because we're human and humans sometimes are messy and sometimes they're, they suck. So with the expectations of being a Christian band, there comes a lot of ju- judgment. Um, you can't be yourself. Uh because somebody is going to say something that you're doing wrong because they've got this religiosity in their minds. They're like Pharisees. They, they tell you everything that you're supposed to be doing. So there's no room for grace. There's no room for forgiveness or understanding or mercy. Right. And, and that being put under a microscope like that um, in the sunlight burns you up. You're not going to be able to survive that. You know, you, you, you're not perfect. You're not God. You're a human being, right? So, like, I think that that was one of the things that not only did my band feel the pressure of, but I think other Christian bands in the middle industry felt that 
that pressure. And then when they tapped out, the Christian organization, the Christian industry said, oh, see, told you, they're not a Christian. And they walked away. And it's like, is that what Christianity is about? You know? It's a bit, so then yeah, you got, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, you're like, hold on a second. Like, wait a minute. Like, I, I feel like this is not right. And so, like, I'm not speaking for my band when I'm saying any of this. I'm speaking for myself. And I'll take whatever comes. But, like, you know, that's not right. That's not right, even in just a humanistic level. You know, when somebody's broken and hurting, and there's a reason why, right? And and why don't we get to the source of the problem or the hurt or the pain, or in this case, the weightiness of judgment, um, before we just throw somebody off, off to the side of the road. And like a lot of these Christian metal bands felt that impact felt deserted, um, excommunicated, or didn't, or maybe didn't even feel like they were a part of the Christian society in the first place. I don't, I don't know. Right. So like, that's just a mess, man. That, that whole like thing is a mess. Um, and I, I, I don't discredit or I'm not being disrespectful to Christian metal bands. There's been a lot of them who've done a lot of good who, you know, really um, helped people in the darkest of times, brought them close to God and, and to love and hope and rejuvenation, transformation, right? Forgiveness, healing. I love it. But for us, that was not the road that we were going to take um, or that we, that, you know, we were able to, um, to sign up for. So, um, but I love, I love the, uh, the opportunities that I do have to talk about my faith and when people are interested. And I love, um, that I get to, you know, um, communicate my faith through my actions of heart support, uh, heart support, you know? Yeah. See, I mean, you know, not talking about myself too much cause it's not my interview. It's your interview. Um, I, you know, I had an experience with my journey trying to discover faith. And you talk about judgment, which is what I'm I'm sad to see that unfortunately there are for as many good there are unfortunately as many bad in every sector of life. But I started going to church and I started to, you know, openly say, I want to give this a go because I was recover I just got clean um from addiction um f- through drugs after about five, six years. And I was broken wow. and I thought, look, the girl I was dating at the time said, look, I think you maybe need to try, you know, church, give it a go, get in there. And I actually found that I was rejected more at that church and it could have just been that church. I was rejected more at that church for how I looked and what I'd been through than outside of church. And it was really quite hurtful for me um, because I was there open and the church and people there just didn't want, they looked at me like a leper. As soon as I walked in, I'd I'd sit down in a pew that was, you know, there was a spot at the end or near the end. I'd sit down and the people in that pew would get up and move to a different spot in the church. And I was like, okay, first when it first happened, I thought, man, this just might be a once off. And it kept happening every Sunday when I went. I'm like, 
okay? Don't think this is right. I then joined a church group, which was like the young adults kind of social group. Nobody wanted to talk to me because I was the kid there with tattoos and a metal shirt. And I was like, hmm. So I can understand if that's happening to someone who's not in a band. I could only imagine the levels of intensity that's happening when you're in a band and you're known as a Christian band. Right. Yeah. Um, one thing that I'd like to, I'd like to say to your story, which is that's unfortunate. And like, that's awful that that happened because yeah, that, that carries a huge impact. Um, you know, the one thing, cause I've had experiences like that, right. Um, being in a Christian band or just being, you know, cause when I come home or I'd go to South Carolina, you know, I would, people didn't know who I was, you know, cause I'm not, you know, they don't, August Burns Red wasn't that big at the time or whatever, or, you know, and I would do the same thing and I, I'd feel some similar judgments, um, in particular situations. Um, but what I had to remember was, um, you know, and when I was like praying about this, cause I had some anger towards church. Like I had real beef with the church and I, I like had a conversation with God about it once, you know, I was like, I was like, this is bullshit. You know, like what, like, what is this? You know? And what I realized was like, the problem isn't with, um, with God. My beef isn't with God. My beef is with the people who believe in him, you know, and th- just, I needed to remember and to recognize and understand that um, I'm just as messy as they are. Um, I may not be judgmental in the way that they're judgmental, but that doesn't mean that I'm better than them or that I, you know. And what I realized is like the broken people, we're all broken. We're all people. And we're going to we're going to continue to break, you know. And that was a moment where those people were broken and hurting and they hurt you Mm. and like you know and and for me and for or i'm just saying my opinion i you know um but for me i was like it helped me separate god from my experience that was surrounding or was supposed to be surrounded with god or about god right um and uh and that's why again it's such a it's such a precious and intimate thing. So I really, what I did was I found friends that I could trust that had faith, um, that I, that I felt comfortable around and would spend time doing like little small groups, you know, little Bible studies and, um, listening to podcasts or reading books. And, um, and then my favorite thing is to do is to wake up in the morning, grab coffee, sit with my dog Winston and just talk out loud to God and, or just talk out loud to myself or to write things, journal things and have uh, meditation, uh, prayer, you know, peace and quiet. And like, see what happens, like see, you know, because like um, we're going to, anytime we try to incorporate a group of people, there's going to be mistakes made, you know? But at least when you're intimate with God, with yourself, um, you know, you, you have like this opportunity to really to engage, engage God, you know. Um, 
on on your level wherever you are you can meet god at that place um but yeah it, it it's frustrating but people are people man like mm. i i can't I, that's my that i think is one of the reasons why i didn't want to preach the gospel on stage because that person who did that to me when i was 17 hurt me and guess what it didn't push me away from that band it pushed me away from god right and so like who gets really hurt me and god mm. not that person that person doesn't even know my name. They don't give a shit what happens to me. They didn't care that night. If they did, maybe they wouldn't have said that. Maybe they would have wanted to actually have a physical face-to-face conversation with me, right? Like, that's the thing is like, you know, I think it's important for us to, you know, recognize that when we say something about our faith, we have to be careful because the people that, are going to get hurt or could get hurt are the people that we're trying to help and God's name. Because then down the road, you know, you have a horrible, you know, um, situation with this church. And then 10 years ago says, Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. You know, somebody's like a friend of yours. Like, Hey man, Jesus is really doing a lot for me. You go, nah, man, screw that. Mm. Like I, I know about, and I want nothing to do with it, dude. You judgmental bigots. You, you know what I mean? Like you could just, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, great, God lost an opportunity to speak to a son that he's created with purpose to have a deep, intimate relationship with because this guy over here decided, you know, to be a brat and get up out of his seat and walk away, you know? And like, so I don't want to taint God with, I want to, every time something like that happens, I got to, I got to get clarity and be like, okay, what just happened here? You know? Um, and and a lot of times it's just we're messy, man. Yeah, we're messy people. Yeah, and I think everyone, you know, we we also learn from our mistakes. And I'm sure those people that did that to me, maybe a couple of years down the track, maybe a couple of months down the track, maybe learn from it. Um, but for me, that's me now, nearly forty, looking back, going, okay, I can see what was wrong. But at the time, you know, you you do you take it really personally. Um, unfortunately, which is natural. Everyone does. Um, and then you yep. just go, screw this. Um, and I did persist. I did persist for, wow, it would have been nearly six months. I really gave it a crack. Uh, but then, you know, maybe the timing wasn't right for me. Maybe my time with God wasn't meant to be just then. So I also look at it that like that now. Maybe my time's yet to come. Um, so, um, But I want to talk about heart support now because we're talking about it. Um, and you know, you mentioned roughly why you got it going, but what I find very empowering about it is apart from what you mentioned that you do, and it's the strength to overcome depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, these kind of things. But I also think it's powerful because, you know, I remember a time when having an open discussion about this stuff was taboo. Um, but now thankfully we're at a stage where it's not taboo we can openly male or female talk about this stuff amongst ourselves um when did you get the feeling that this is something you wanted to do to give back to people uh i think i think i started it in 2010 Mm -hmm. or 2011 and um it was just 
I think I was on tour of the day to remember we played, we were main support for their headlining tour and they, that tour sold out every single night. That was the only tour I've ever been on that every single night was sold out. And, um, a day to remember just did, I think tour sick or something. And the record had exploded and, you know, we, we, we were a good main support and it just, it just took off. And we were doing back-to-back nights in, in Hustle Blues in Chicago. And uh, and I was just amazed. I was in awe of what my life was and where I, I felt everything was going. And I was like, holy smokes. And I was like, one night, you know, just talking to God and myself and just being like, man, like, what can I do to give back to this community of people? Um, because they're they're here celebrating me. They're They're... Will, they're loyal to me they're, they're they're buying my album they're my shirts they're coming to shows like um they're sharing with me like deep things and and like so what, what do i do and i literally just got the vision for heart support almost instantly that night like within like 15 minutes i was writing everything down and um i stayed up till four o'clock in the morning and and it was crazy because um, I'd written everything down on a couple pieces of paper. It was four in the morning and we were playing in Chicago. And I realized that that night that my friend who's a graphic designer who built like websites and stuff um, lived in, lived in Chicago. And I said, Hey man, can I meet you tomorrow for lunch? He said, yeah. I said, I need you to build me something. Literally the next morning I meet him in Chicago for lunch I give him the pages that I had just written all everything down on and, um, 1500 bucks. And I said, go, I need you to build this for me. And, uh, and he did. And then I made myself some cards, business cards and a couple of shirts that were, um, uh, yeah, that's another story. And, and, and so anytime I would talk to a kid at a merch table that really had something to say or something that was going on, I'd say, look, man, go to this place and you can talk there. And um, and so I would go on the website that I had built and, and people started showing up and talking. And I would just talk back or we would do interviews and I would post interviews up there. And um, yeah, and I think it was it was an organic thing because, I mean, you know, to talk about mental health, I know that it's just now starting to be accepted but you have to understand that what an artist is doing is talking about mental health, you know? I mean, that's, that's what they're doing. If they're true artists, they're sharing their mental health with you, <laughs> you know, just in an artistic way. Right. And so like, I was already doing that. I was already, and, and, you know, I had the commitment of going to the merch table and talking to people. I had made that promise and that law, um, in my life. And I had been doing it for like five years. So like um, it, it kind of just came to, you know, almost like a snowball effect. Um, but now I'm thankful that it's accepted. And we can see that by, I think it's like we have over half a million interactions a month on our, on at, at heart support, you know, whether that be like videos, people buying our resources, um, you know, 
interacting with people on the forum page, the support wall, or interacting with us, you know, on our social media platforms. So it's definitely grown now. And that's great because I think, you know, the importance of your mental health, you know, and your physical health, I mean, they're, they're, they're tied together, you know, and, and so is your spiritual health. I mean, I think all three of those. So, um, yeah, I don't know exactly like when I started doing it necessarily, but when the project was birthed, it was like, yeah, in 2010 or 11. Was part of your, you know, you've also done a book as well. Now, did that come in while you had heart support going? Cause I can't remember if the book was, going while heart support was going or did the book come before the book came out after heart support was already established and really what that is is people wanted to know about my faith and like how how does it how does your faith operate in your life like what how does it really work and i had to get really really vulnerable I had to share like some really, really um, difficult moments in my life in order to write that book. But what I realized is that if I was going to be a leader and lead this community, I had to gain the authority to do that. And the way that I saw the opportunity to show people that it's okay to share is that I have to share. You know, I have to be the one that leads the example. Um, the book is definitely a lot about my faith, but that's my life. Um, I have spent a lot of my life really taking direction based off of my faith. And <laughs> um, so I get really straight to the point I, I with, you know, how my faith has interacted in my life and ways I've done things and the mistakes I've made. And, um, it's a messy book. I'm, I'm a messy person. I'm not, I'm not good, um, at a lot of things. Um, but, um, that book was really to share with the community, um, you know, about my hope and my faith and the importance of it and what it's done for my life and to really hopefully engage the reader to, look at those other aspects of their lives. Uh, I talk a, a lot about being uh, sexually abused. I talk about um, my divorce. I talk about my anger and resentment towards God and, you know, um, all these different facets, my fears of, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And so it's like I, I wanted uh, people to engage that and then engage them, self-reflect and see, if any of what my life had taught me or what I had learned with my faith, if someone could learn from for themselves too. Um, and like I said, if I want to lead this place called heart support, I have to, I have to be willing to do the things I'm asking my community to do. And that's share. Well, I also think, you know, you mentioned it in there earlier and it's an important thing that anyone that, follows you on social media knows that you're about and I think it's important because you as you mentioned you need physical health mental health emotional health you know it all balances and that in your physical health is something that you're very much in tune with nowadays over all the last few years or maybe longer than few but um is that something 
that you knew you needed to start doing to balance everything or did it kind of just start happening by mistake because you've bulked up and like looking 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 pretty 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 swell um so what was what was the what was the go with that was that just by chance you got into fitness um and then you realized it balanced yourself or did you go out of your way to start doing fitness so the way that fitness uh entered my life was i was going through a nasty divorce um i was in a very toxic relationship um you know and 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 i'm not gonna sit here and blame it all on her because that would be a lie there was a lot of things i myself was just very hurt, not healthy mentally and um and so you know in in that toxic relationship i i'm i tend to be a very performance-based person so I'm like a pit bull. Um, I'll, I'll be very territorial. I'll protect you. I'll, I'll, I'll do things for you. I just want you to pat me on the head and tell me you love me, you know, like that's it. And so what I was doing is I was, I was performing for all of these things in my life in order for these things or these people to tell me that they love me. And, um, that will run you straight into the ground. And, um, I looked towards alcohol as a comforter, um, as a friend and, um, struggled with abusing alcohol when I was going through my divorce, you know? Um, and so I was like, man, I gotta, like, I've got to change my ways here or like I'm headed, I'm, I'm, I'm headed to a bad place, man. So, so what I ended up doing was, um, I just started going to the gym because I looked like shit and I felt like crap and I needed to get away from everything. I needed to go away from work. I needed to get away from, you know, family and my own thoughts. And I would just go to the gym in and I would just sweat and I would just, you know, with frustration or maybe sadness and I would just, just lift weight, you know, until I couldn't. Um, and it was a time, it was a place for me to love myself. Um, and by physically going somewhere and loving me was reinforcing my mind that I was worthy, you know? Um, and it was an act of love for myself and to help me build up my confidence and to help me, um, you know, it was very therapeutic, um, gave me my peace. And then when I started to see my body change, I was like, holy smokes, like this is doing something. And again, that's reassuring you that you're worthy. Um, you're worthy of being loved. You're worthy to make yourself a priority. You can tell people, no, you don't need to perform for all these people, you know, and, and maybe it's not their love that you need. Maybe it's your love that you need. And, and that's why I joined the fitness thing. And um, it's become a great escape for me. If I get bogged down, I, I do a lot of different things for work and businesses. And I'm, I'm a runner, man. I, my mind runs all the time. So if I get bogged down or I get bummed out or I'm just having a rough day, I'll just go into my garage, man. I'll just lift. Mm. And I'll just be able to think, pray exert energy, break a sweat, feed my body, you know? 
Um, I think that we as beings were created to move. So, you know, we're not created to sit and watch TV for our entire lives. We're here to create. We're here to, um, you know, experience things, take action, you know? Uh, so all of that, I think, is why I, I, I chose, you know, exercise. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, I'm the same. I've just got dumbbells in the garage and, you know, if I'm, if I'm having a shitty day and not motivated to yeah. and my mind goes somewhere, it's like, well, you know, I'll go in there for, for an hour. Um, crank yeah. the music, smash those weights and you feel better. Um, anyone listening that's thought maybe, maybe not, look, once you get going and it just takes that little bit, once you get going, yeah, you feel the difference. Um, yeah. Now. That's awesome. We'll go back to a bit of August Burns Red to finish off. One of those things is, you know, you look back at the career now, I think we can safely say, and it's not intentionally blowing smoke up your ass, but you guys are now a name in the metalcore game or the metal game. Now, was there a stage that you guys knew you were reaching a pinnacle or at the top of the game? And I mean, you know, there's been Grammy nominations, you've reached big levels in the charts... Do you remember a moment for you where you thought, okay, I'm doing something that's working here and it's being accepted by the fans, so I think we can keep pushing along the lines that we're going? Um, I mean, I think the gradual progression of seeing us go from, you know, an opening act to uh, main support, to doing our own headliners when you're doing your own headliners and they're successful. I think that's where you go. Something's going on. But then when you start playing festivals and you're playing like, you know, relatively the larger stages, you know, uh, in Europe and, and stuff, you, you start to see that there's something there. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, Probably, obviously, the one that was like, you know, you made a pretty big imprint was the, being nominated for two Grammys. I think, I think, because especially during that time, like, not our, our genre of music wasn't really recognized. You know, it was it was kind of almost mocked or or you know made fun of, right? Um, because they, they, they wouldn't touch our style, the modern day metal. They, they, they stuck with Pantera, Slayer, you know, Kiss and, you know, um, Pantera or whatever, you know? So the same bands were winning every year. I mean, <laughs> you, you only have so many, you know, like, um, so then when we got nominated, it was like, whoa, hold on a second. These guys are really willing to acknowledge our, our, our abilities as musicians and, we're being recognized here. And we were one of the first, I think, metal bands from our genre to be recognized by the Grammy, the Academy. So I think that that was a big, that was a big one. And then, um, I don't remember who it was. It was another musician when we were on a tour and they said something and it was like very like in passing. But they said something like, um, well, you guys can do that if you want because you've got the street cred. And like, that was it. That's all he said. I, I don't even remember what we were talking about. But he goes, you could do that if you wanted to because you've got the street cred. 
Hmm. And I think that that was probably the moment where I went, oh, wait a minute. Okay, hold on. Like, um, that was another musician that was bigger than us that, you know, recognized our level of whatever it is, right? Like, um, that I had never really heard before or um, was never told that by someone of his stature. So of his caliber, like I, I think that was one of the moments where I went, okay, I think we're going to be here for a little while because um, we've earned a spot and we've either earned it. I think it's a mixture of you earned your position, but I think you were also gifted your position. I think that the music industry chose us. I don't think that, um, I think they chose us because of our hard work. Um, they chose us and put us at this table because they saw how hard we were working and that we were producing and that, and that we care about this community. We're not, you know, you ask me, why do you say your message? I've got a much different answer than the other guy I was telling about in the beginning of this interview. Right. And I think people can see that. And like you said, um, so I think that that's why the music industry gifted us this position because we have worked very hard to to earn earn our place um and we see ourselves as a part of it we don't see ourselves as you know trying to um change it or you know be something outside of it like we we are a part of the body and um and they've given us the place at the table to 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 be so so that's why i think now Last thing I wanted to ask, and, you know, we've talked about how long you guys have been going as a band, um, and it is amazing to see, and it seems like you guys, no, no matter how long you're going, no matter how many tours you've done, no matter how many albums, music videos, you always seem to be motivated and still as determined now as you were in day one. Um, how do you stay motivated and determined to bring your A game no matter what because it can't be easy you know 15 odd years in the game some people would just rest on their laurels but you guys don't you guys seem to keep bringing the same intensity the same determination no matter what yeah um i think for me you know it it's it is a job it's a job um even right now like i'm not on tour you know, um, but I exercise almost daily and I do cardio and um, I still look at trying to eat well, um, keeping my mental health in a good position um, because I know that when I do go to hit the road, um, I have to be at this place. Um, but that's like, it's just the mentality of like, I take myself serious. I take my job serious. And if I want to be the leader of a genre, if I want to lead the genre, not follow it, if I want to have truly have that mentality, I have to work very, very hard to do that. Um, and that, that, that means I don't really have off days. Uh, I mean, obviously I don't have to be on the road right now. Um, but there are other things that I do need to be keeping up with in order for me to be able to perform to my, my highest, you know, capability. Uh, yeah, it, 
there are little things that I'm, I have to change because I'm getting older or things are changing or evolving in the industry or whatever. But like, um, I think, I think another great gift is that being with August Burns Red, Dustin, Matt, Brent, JB, and being with them for 15 years, we all know what everybody's strengths are. And so like, there are certain things that we can help with each other to continue to be as great as we have been or as hardworking as we've been. Um, and so it kind of relieves the stress of like, Oh, thank God. I don't really have to worry about this area of the band or this type of thing, because this person's working on that so that we can continue to, to be just as good. Right. You know? Um, so there's, you know, there's there's a so many facets of of the band, and everybody just stays in their lane and just you know, hey, this is really what you're supposed to do, so just do that. You know what I mean? Um, but that's a good understanding, and that's what a body. That's that's if I can leave you with any message, like that I think speaks on on so many different areas, is that like of our lives, is that if we want anything to be successful we have to understand it takes a body, right? It takes a body. Like, even if you think of like your body, you know, all of your senses, right? And like, you were, you were created with hands, not just one, you know, and, 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 you know, eyes and a nose and, and ears. And, you know, if you're in a, in a band, like you have a bassist, you have a drummer, you have a guitarist, you have a singer. Um, if you're, you know, if you're in a marriage, right? Like you have, two people there, you know, um, it's like, you know, it takes a body of, of people to be successful at whatever it is that you want to do. Even if you want to be an author, you know, you gotta, you, you know, that's, well, I write the book. Yeah. But you got to get it marketed. You have to, you know, get it publicized. You got to get it distributed. You got to get, you know, all your ducks in a row and an agent maybe, you know? Um, and that's, that's the beauty of August Burns Red. You want to know why we've gotten this far? Okay. Yeah. I, I'm going to sit here and personally say, I think God had a lot to do with it and our, and our fans. But the other part of that is the willingness for each individual band member to not only work diligently in their crafts and strengths, but also to have a hand of understanding, patience, kindness, and forgiveness, and the willingness to listen and learn and grow. And you can't do that on your own. You need everybody. And so, um, yeah, I think that that's why we've been able to get get here. And the the reason why you you were even having this interview. I mean, you know, you're a part of this body. You have to understand someone's going to listen to this. Someone's going to, you know, going to listen to this and it's going to speak something to them. Hopefully it's good and nurturing. Right. But um, you have given me this position today. You you have given me the authority to be on your show and to share my my heart. And um, you're a part of the body as to why August Burns Red is successful. So thank you. No, thank you. And here's to another twenty five years. Um, let's just let's keep it going. Um, 
Now, let's wrap things up. We're going to go a bit fun here. We just end with a quick fire oh. round. Um, some people, you know, we, ha- we have a really solid foundation of listeners from around the world. But some people say this is the whole reason they listen to the conversation. So I hope they've got, I, I hope, yeah, so I hope they've got something out of the chat before we've got into this. Um, and it's a round called Pick Your Poison. Everyone gets it. And it, you pick your favorite of the two. You don't have to justify your answer. Some people think they need to because they're worried about the backlash they'll get based off their answer. Um, some are going to be easy. Some are going to be hard. Okay. All right. Right. Pizza. I'm going to tell you right now, yeah. I'm not justifying. Okay. Don't justify. That makes it more interesting. Um, pizza or burger? Pizza. Okay. Okay. Ribs or brisket? Ribs. Okay. Um, smooth peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter? Crunchy. Okay. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee all day. Okay. Uh, Chinese takeaway or Indian takeaway? Chinese. Okay. Cook at home or dine out? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Oh, come on. Who doesn't like dining out? You don't have to clean up. You don't have to clean up. Yeah. It's... yeah, I don't have to make anything. I don't have to clean anything. It's, it's pretty great. Um, I like that. Your new movies come out. Are you going to go to the cinema or are you going to wait to watch it on the couch at home? I'll probably wait. Okay. Um couch. Now, this one's interesting because of the weather you're used to, but would you rather spend the day day at the beach or a day at the snow? A day at the beach. Okay. Uh, Next one, I know the answer because of who's sleeping on the couch next to you. Are you a cat or a dog person? Yeah. Says it it in itself. (laughs) Winston, you got to look at this dude, man. He's the best. Uh, is it a Frenchie or a, or just a bulldog? It's a yeah, it's a French bulldog. Yeah, yeah. yeah His yeah. name is Win- Winston Finnegan, and he's just a man. Oh, he's just I love adorable. Him. Oh, um, okay. Let's go. Uh, Terminator or Predator? Terminator. Okay. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Okay. Definitely. Uh, Rambo or Rocky? Um, that's a good one. I'm gonna have to go with Rocky. Okay. Um, South Park or Simpsons? Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Anchorman or Step Brothers? <laughs> Yo, these are challenging, man. Um. Oh man, both of those movies are crap, dude. They're so good. Ah, uh, boy. I would have to go with um, Step Brothers, I think. Okay. Um, Slayer or Pantera? Do you want to hear something really embarrassing? 
No, go, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Slayer or Pantera, if you were to play them back to back, I wouldn't be able to tell you which one's which. <gasps> hey, I love, I love the honesty. I love the honesty. So we'll say, yeah. we'll say neither. We'll get that's the first draw of the uh, segment. Um, <laughs> Metallica or Megadeth? Uh, Metallica. Okay. Um, Slipknot or Machine Head? Slipknot. Okay. Uh, Converge or Dillinger Escape Plan? Dillinger Escape Plan. Okay. Uh, Norma Jean or Darkest Hour? I mean, I would have to say Norma Jean, but that's a really good second up there. Darkest Hour is a great band. Oof, I love Darkest Hour. Oh, I'm having... I'm- yeah, which one would you pick? I'd pick Darkest Hour, and yeah. and I've had I've had Corey on the show, and I've got Mike coming up next week on the show from Darkest Hour. But it's just Darkest Hour for me because it's just the riffs, just something about those riffs. Like, yeah, I'm a sucker for yeah, the riffs. Sorry, yeah, Corey. They're... Sorry, sorry, Corey. Um, <laughs> Love you, dude. Um, Offspring or Green Day? I think we just broke him. Oh god. Let's put it this way. It's either Smash or Dookie. That doesn't help me. <laughs> I didn't say it would help. <laughs> That's true. You didn't say that it would be helpful. Uh, <laughs> oh gosh. I'm gonna have to go offspring, man. Okay. Um Oh that hurts to say it. Whatever. So we've got a lot of last couple left. Um, well, one last music one, uh, NWA or Wu-Tang? Wu-Tang. Okay. Now you're playing a show. Uh, do you want stage dives going on or mic grabs going on? Stage dives. Okay. Um, but I mean, it's quite an interesting thing because now with the current climate, I don't think a lot of people are going to want mic grabs going on. Right. yeah, there's probably not gonna be a lot of anything going on. No. <laughs> you know. Um, do you, you go to a show to watch it? Are you gonna watch from the middle of the pit or up by the sound desk? Uh, for me personally, up by the sound desk. Now, second last one. Now you want you need one to go with the other. So, would you rather tour for the rest of your life or record music for the rest of your life? Hmm. That's a that's a good one. Uh, probably tour. Okay. And the last one, I'm going to give you your all-time favorite album. Are you wanting it on CD, vinyl, or do you want it on your phone? It's the only triple one. Wow. Uh, all-time favorite album, do I want it on, on a CD, vinyl, or on my phone? I would probably go with vinyl. Okay. Ooh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about the big artwork. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and I have a I have a record player, but I have very I only get like special, you know, albums that I really really like. And, you know, for me to turn that record player on and to play music, 
there's like either I'm celebrating something or like there's a specific, there's a very specific feeling or vibe that I want, you know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. that I, in order to play the record player. So I would say the vinyl. Um, now we have smashed that. Um, Jake, I appreciate not only you having the time, but the energy and the, the stories, the communication you gave me amazing. Um, it felt very relaxed. I also appreciate you going over time. Um, but I just, you know, and I I mean this very sincerely, I appreciate you and what you do, not only through music, but through heart support. Um, and I'm really, really grateful that I was able to, uh, make this happen and get this to happen. Yeah. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it too. It was, uh, it was like talking to a friend. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, an interview where I felt like, oh man, he's going to ask me all this stuff that I don't want to talk about. (laughs) It was, uh, it was cool, man. It was like a nice little heart to heart. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, I appreciate you. It's cool. Thank it's you. It, 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 yeah, for me, like I said at the start, that's a bucket list moment for me. So I'm pretty, pretty stoked. Pretty on cloud nine now. I mean, all right, thanks, Jake. Yep. Take care, brother. Peace.
So that was my chat with Jake of August Burns Red. At the end there, you heard the band's track Bones, which is from their most recent album, Guardians. The second track you heard was The Frost, which is from their album Phantom Anthem. And the last track you heard there was Composure off their album Messengers. So now's the part of the show where I spark that thing inside you to support the band that's been on the show. So if you got time this week and you enjoyed the conversation, if you enjoyed the music at the end there, jump online, download, stream, listen to the vast discography that Jake and August Burns Red have on offer. If you enjoy physicals, jump online, get on eBay, get on their merch store, grab yourself a CD, a vinyl. If you're into merch, grab a hat, grab a hoodie, grab a shirt. All of that is online as well. And lastly, as we always say, in the current climate where tours and shows aren't happening, all of these things I've mentioned, the streams, the downloads, the physical copy purchases, the merch, all of this is vital to help bands like August Burns Red keep going. So if you've got some time, got some spare money, help Jake and the boys out. I also need to take this moment to thank Jake again. Thank you so very, very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. And that's it. That's the Mosh Zone episode 120. Done, dusted, all wrapped up, locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget, you can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.